Good morning, everybody. Sure. The cold set in this weekend, right? Crazy. This is cold, brother. You need counseling. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking, brother. It was Thanksgiving this week, right? Have you recovered yet? Loaded up with some calories? It was incredible. So I started a series last week, um, and I'm going to skip that this week, and I, I planned it like that because I, I'd like to stick to sort of what's going on in society. It just keeps it exciting to um, make sure that we are, I don't know, just, just aligned with what people are thinking. And hopefully this week, to some extent, Thursday wasn't just the time of eating turkey. Maybe it was a time for you to really think about, are you thankful for the things that you have in your life? And it's interesting, during the past week, how many videos I saw pop up of people who got to hear for the first time, who had cochlear implants, and to see the incredible view on their, the look on their faces when they realize, oh my goodness, I can hear. You can hear me right now. Sometimes I wish I would lose a few things and then gain them so that I can be thankful again. Right? Like, go a day without food to appreciate food. So that it can remind me how blessed I am. Two weeks ago, I think it was last week, Friday, or the week before that, I came into the back here and I heard my youngest boy, Neo, he's taking a shower. And he's talking to himself in the shower. It's the most incredible thing to listen to kids talk in the shower. Because I'm thinking, what is this guy saying? This is what he walks. This is, I actually recorded the video. I had to record it. If, and if he hears that I told you about this, I'm dead. So you didn't hear this from me. And I kept on telling him I, I, I deleted the video. I did not. It's on my phone. I'm going to keep it forever. I'm going to play it his 21st birthday. So yes, now I'm walking in with the camera. And luckily I had it recorded so I could write down exactly what he said. So he's looking at the wall. And his head's going like this as he's talking. And he says, I am going to demolish you. I'm going to take you down. Now those of you who don't know, he's a big wrestler. He was in the shower talking to his opponent. That was Friday and Saturday he was going to wrestle. I am going to demolish you. I'm going to take you down. You are going to see how powerful I am. So you better watch it. And then there's a part that I don't like so much. He says, you are so dumb. I am going to demolish you. And directly after that, he switches over in song. I read my Bible every day. And I'm like, that's, that's a huge contradiction. You were just aggressively going to kill the guy that you're going to wrestle tomorrow. And then you sing, a, you burst into song. Now, Neo's aggression and his challenging attitude in the shower is a form of what we could call a war cry. I'm preparing myself for battle. Tomorrow I'm going to take on my enemy. And I'm preparing myself. Uh, Dave has got a good friend who's been communicating with me. And this, this is the All Blacks, the New Zealand rugby team. And their greatest enemy are the South Africans, the Springboks. That's why I don't like Dave's friend anymore, because he supports these guys. 
No, I'm joking, brother. No. But these are the supreme rugby nations in the world. And the, the All Blacks, whenever they play a game, and before they start the game, they do the haka. This is the haka, a, a photo of it. It's a war cry. We've got friends that live in New Zealand now, and I'm surprised. The, the kids are in school. The kids are small. They learn the haka from this size. They can say it. It's in the, uh, their foreign language. It's a war cry. And as you can see on their faces, you don't want to mess with these guys. And they are well-known all over the world for this war cry. It is normal, wouldn't you say, that when you go to war, you prep yourself. When I think some of the football, I haven't really watched football games, but when the football team runs out, they usually have a, have a theme song or a song that hypes them up. Sometimes they play music in the change rooms that makes them hyped up and ready for this war that's going to take place. But it seems like when it comes to God's people, at least in one instance that I'm aware of, God's people seem to do it a little bit differently. Jehoshaphat was the king in Judah, and at one point, he heard the news that there was a vast army approaching Judah. Now, I want you to picture this. He's the king. There's a vast army approaching Judah, and in fear and great concern, he called all the people in Judah, and he said, Come together to Jerusalem, guys. There's a huge army coming. I want you guys to come in. We need to pray. In actual fact, stop eating. We need to fast. This is a difficult time that's approaching us, and we need help from God. And at that gathering, when the people got together, the king stood up and he prayed. And at one point in the prayer, I'll, I'll read you the last few verses. This is how he closes off the prayer. He says, Our God, will you not judge them? That's talking about the enemy that's coming. For we have no power to face the vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Incredible. I think incredible verses. What do you pick up about these guys? They are weak. They are scared. What do you think their war cry would look like? Uh, let's go die. These guys are bigger than us. They're coming to smash us. There's no way that we're going to get around this. And so the only thing they can do is they go into the sort of prayer. They feel weak. They don't know what to do. They look up to heaven. They don't have a war cry. And in the middle of this, a Levite stands up. Priest. He stands up in the middle. And he has a message from God. And he says the following. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. You will not have to fight this battle. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. Okay, so there's going to be a battle, but you guys are not going to fight or whatever the case may be. That's sort of the message from the Levite. The next morning, they do pack up. They get ready. They're going to go to war like Neo was going to get ready for his war the next day. And they have a war cry. As they walk there, they've got a war cry. And I want to read it to you. It's in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 21 to 22. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, that's the king, listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you'll be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing 
to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying the following, Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. That's the war cry. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, as they are about to go die. Incredible. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Amnon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah and they were defeated. Their enemy was defeated during their war cry and their war cry was a praise of thanksgiving. Singing songs. Can you imagine you're sitting on a hill as you see the army come by and you hear them singing to God. Sounds like a church service. They are singing to God. Perhaps the answer to challenges, the answer to our challenges could be thanksgiving. Perhaps the way to live a prosperous life could be attached to thanksgiving. Maybe the road to success is about thanksgiving or or perhaps the way to experience joy is through thanksgiving. Let's pause for a moment. I mean, how many problems do you have in your life that you're worried about? How many things do you pray about? How concerned are we about our country, about our lives? We've got many concerns. Are you, are you at peace? I'm, I'm, I'm be honest with you this morning. This is a huge thing for me. Because usually when I hear the word Thanksgiving, if I hear it in America, it's like, I think, Turkey. If I hear it in South Africa, I'm like, okay, just say thank you. It's it's, it's boring to say thank you in a way. But I think this is extremely powerful. And I want you to consider it this morning. I think that we will win most of our wars. I think we'll win most of our inner and our outer wars. I'm talking about personal life. We'll win most of it by being thankful. And the people of Judah were thankful to God for one reason. They had God. That's why they were thankful. Oh, God is with us. The Levites stood up. He had a message from God. Okay, God is with us. We're not alone. And here's the big thing. God was enough. And I don't know if this is unique for you. Maybe my life was unique. And I can only use myself as as, as an example and, and reflect on my own life. But... From the age of 17, somehow or another, I don't know if it was my upbringing or whether it was, I don't know what it was, I learned that the only thing that really matters in this life is that God is with me. I've had moments in my life where I said to God, I don't, okay, if I don't have friends and I have you, that's fine. And if I don't have a girlfriend and a wife and children, that's fine. And if I don't have money, that's fine. God is enough. And I was blessed to think like that. I don't know where it came from. I remember as a young man walking alone, going places, wanting to be alone because I wanted to talk to God. I wish I could go back and hear, what did I say to him as a 17-year-old retard? But I did talk to him. And I think God listened to me somehow. And, he, and he's blessed me. And even today, up to this day, I appreciate people around me and things around me. But at the end of the day, I'll be honest with you, if I have God, that will be enough that what that that's what makes it easy to be thankful because i always have him so i can be thankful for that 
Everything else might not be perfect in my life, but let me ask you a question. I mean, one of the most powerful verses of text for me is in Psalm 73, where the psalmist says, Who have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. Earth has nothing I desire besides you. My strength and my heart might fail, but you my portion forever. Honestly, this morning, is God enough? Is God enough for you? Because if God is enough, we should be filled with great thankfulness. Because He's here then today. I want to suggest to you today that a disciple of Jesus should have an attitude of gratitude. And I'm, as I said, I'm preaching to myself this morning. The closer you get to God, the more thankful you become. The less you complain. And we need to know this morning that an attitude of gratitude is not a suggestion from Scripture. An attitude of gratitude is commanded by God. That needs to settle into our hearts. Because we need to evaluate ourselves this morning like, where, where do we stand? Where do we stand? You know, our kids, uh, we tell them, especially, I, I take out my kids are Frida as well. You need, to, you need to check your attitude, man. Watch your attitude. And maybe this morning, for some of us Christians, certainly for me this week it's been, God is saying to us, you need to check your attitude. Because we have a lot of grumpy Christians walking around. We have a lot of ungrateful Christians walking around. We have a lot of selfish Christians walking around. And if you find yourself unhappy, you find yourself discontent, you find yourself complaining, you find yourself grumbling, you find yourself depressed, you might need to pause this morning and think carefully, where do you stand on the blessings that God has given you in your life? It was interesting for me this week as I did a bit of research, read up a bit, and one guy said, he said, the antonym for thanksgiving is christmas that's weird right it's like what do you mean and i i still don't know what he meant but i thought about it for a while and this came in into my mind it's it's like christmas have sort of developed into this thing where i'm going to get a present right i'm looking forward especially for the young people i'm looking forward because i'm going to get something I'm looking forward to getting something. And maybe that's what this guy came up with, why he said Christmas is an antonym for Thanksgiving. Because Thanksgiving is about you already got something. Christmas is you're anticipating getting something, and Thanksgiving is I got something. I already have. I've been given. I've been blessed. And there's a vast world of difference between living your life in expectance to get something or living your life in thankfulness because you have got so many things. And so pause for a moment and think about how does your brain think? Are you always thinking about what you don't have or are you thinking about what you do have? How do you, how do you generally use your thoughts? If you focus on what you have, you will be thankful. If you focus on what you don't have, you will be grumpy. But more on that later. Let's look at three texts. First Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. Sorry, I don't know where the 8 disappeared there too. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks when it's going incredibly well with you. Give thanks when everything is aligned with your will. Or is it give thanks in all circumstances? And there are very few passages in the New Testament where 
the text tells us directly what God's will is. That it says, this is God's will. This is one of the few passages. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It's God's will to be thankful in all circumstances. I hope that you can see that's not a suggestion. That is a command. And the Greek word here for give thanks is eucharistio, which is the Eucharist. But that's generally the word that is used in the New Testament. And what we understand as to say grace at a meal. To pray when we get food. And I think for many of us, I spoke to somebody the other day and said, well, at home, we never pray for our food. You know why we don't pray for our food? Why it just slips us by sometimes? For some of us, it's traditionally set and it's a tradition, even though we don't always mean it. You know, we've got these rhymes that we say perfectly for the last 10,060 years. It's grandpa's rhyme. You've taken it over. You say the same rhyme. You know why we don't really mean it anymore? Because we've become accustomed to always have food. We're not really that thankful for it. Because I know I'm going to have it tomorrow. I had it yesterday. I'm always going to have it. We don't know what it feels like to have none. I, as I was thinking about this, I remembered when I was young. Um, one night we were, uh, my parents were praying. It was a Sunday night. We had, I think it was three or four or something. And we had sandwiches and milk for Sunday night supper. And we, my dad said we need to pray. We prayed. And I was like, afterwards, I was like, I kept my eyes open throughout the prayer because I thought about, why are we praying, man? It's like, the, the food is already cold. I mean, I thought you pray so that the food can get cold. And here we have sandwiches and milk. And I still ask my mom, what, what is the story? Ladies and gentlemen, the reason why we pray is to say thank you. Not because we are scared if we don't pray, God's not going to let us into heaven. We pray to thank God for what he has given us. And so if we look at the word that um, Paul is using here, Paul is saying essentially, we should be giving thanks to God, not just at mealtime, but all the time. That's God's will. Here's a second passage of Scripture, and this is extremely important. This is one of the most important passages of Scripture. You've heard me talk about this many times. I'm going to talk about it again. Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If you want indescribable peace inside of yourself, you have to learn to focus not just on what you have, or on what you want, but what you already have. So the formula in the text, if you can read the lines there is this ask with thanksgiving so you ask God Lord can you help me with this can you lead me in this and thank you Lord that I have this and that I have that that leads to peace and most of our, and the, the reason why this is so important is because you know in your prayer life I know in my prayer life that often when I pray it's just about what I want it's just about what I need and then I don't understand why I don't have peace afterwards. Well, because I've been praying consistently about my lack. And I haven't included in my prayer what I already have. And the blessings that I do have. There's the formula. You've got to add thanksgiving to your prayer and your petition. And then God says, there will be peace available 
to you. I read the quote this week. Thankfulness is about remembrance. When eating fruit, remember the one who planted the tree. A Vietnamese uh, proverb. And so if we can learn as we are praying, the fact that our mouths can speak, we can hear, we can see. If we learn to include in our prayer life, thanksgiving for what we have, peace will be available to us. And then the third text, the last one about this, is Colossians 3, 15 to 17. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace and to be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and, and, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Look at Paul's attitude. Three times in these verses, he refers to thankfulness or gratitude. And Paul could preach this. Why could he preach this? Because he lived it. While he was in prison in Philippi, he had joy. He sang from the prison. He gave thanks to God. He's locked in chains in the middle of a dungeon. And he says, thank you, God. I'm like, dude, what are you thanking God for? It's a mess. It's stinky. There's cockroaches. Thank you, Lord. That's, incre that's an incredible different level of spirituality. Now, King David is such a great example for us, I think, on this topic. Which book in the Bible would you say utilizes the word thankfulness the most? And thanksgiving. I would say the Psalms. David was the master of thanksgiving and praise. And although he was a man after God's own heart, he didn't have a perfect life. I don't know if you've ever studied David's life. When we read about David and Jesus coming in the line of David, we think David was a perfect man. David was a mess, ladies and gentlemen. And he had a hard life. He had a turbulent life. He had blood on his hands. He had killed many people. He was hated by his mentor. He lived at some moments like a vagrant in the wilderness. Didn't have a place to live. He exp experienced the betrayal of his own children. We look at him and we think, well, he was a man after God's and art. His children were perfect. His children were not perfect. His children were a mess. He saw the death of his own son. And it was his fault. His life was tough. He wasn't the holiest. He had moral shortcomings. The world didn't treat him fairly. And that's a big thing in our, in our world. We, we're upset. Well, God doesn't treat me fairly. The world doesn't treat me fairly. People don't treat me fairly. I don't trust people. I don't like them. I'm grumbling. Lots of reasons to be grumbling, to be upset, to feel everything's unfair, to be unhappy, to be unthankful, to be discontent. But David doesn't seem to come to God with his complaint. He doesn't come without thanksgiving. In actual fact, he writes this psalm and he says, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Consider His life and consider His words. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us. And we are His. We are His people. The sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name. For the Lord is good and His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. 
this man with this messed up life, with this struggle, this, this, this really hard life, says, hey, when you go to God, and when you enter His gates, you never go without thanks. You take thanks with you. He knew how to cut away the bad things in his life and focus on the good. When you look at what you don't have, you see shortcomings. It's just the way it is. When you look at what you do have, you see abundance. Am I wrong? Steve, do you agree? Thank you. If you say so, then I feel good. Let me skim over three quick stories and then close it off. And I want to put them into three categories. There are people in this world who have good reason to be thankful. And there are people in this world who have some reason to be thankful. And there are people in this world who have no reason to be thankful. But when we look at God's people in these three categories, they were always thankful. What about the ten lepers? They had good reason to be thankful. Jesus is on his way back to Jerusalem, I think it is. And at a distance, there's ten lepers. They didn't come close. And I respect that about them because, you know, they didn't want to infect people. And there were rules. There were societal rules in those days. And so they, they didn't come close to him. But the text says they shouted at him. Have mercy on us. Please heal us. And Jesus answers and says to them, well, go show yourself to the priests. And they left. And on the way, it seems like, on the way there, they were healed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Now, there's a lot of things we can unpack in this text, right? And I just want to keep it short, but... Only one came back to thank God? I think that's, this is maybe a good statistic. Wouldn't you say? That only 10% of people who are blessed by God actually go thank Him. Maybe that's a good statistic. People who lack an attitude of gratitude don't even show thankfulness when they've got good reason to do so. Those other nine, they had good reason to go thank Him. And they didn't even go back. He heals them all, but only gets a 10% return. That's a bad investment. God is actually a bad investor, guys. He gives so much of himself, and he gets so little thankfulness back. Bad investment. God is gracious. But what if he wasn't? Think for a moment. What if, what if God returned their leprosy? Ah, you nine guys, you didn't come say thank you. Take your leprosy back. What if that was the God that we served? And you, I spoke about this last year, I think. What if you had today only those things that you thanked God for yesterday? What would you have left? We praise God that He's not like that. He doesn't take away if we don't thank. He continues to bless because He's a gracious and merciful God. But what does it say about us when He blesses us and we never return the thanks God. 
A grumbler walks around upset about the government. He walks around and he's upset about his salary. And he doesn't like his boss. And he doesn't like his wife. And he's upset about that. And the weather. Me. That's me. Complainer. Grumbler. It's so cold. What's going on in this place? Why do I have to get into this cold shower? I just don't want to shower for the next two months. Lord, give me natural um, uh, perfume. And the person who complains like that doesn't even, doesn't even think about the fact that he has limbs and life and breath and eyes to see and ears to hear. Let's not be like the other nine. Let's pause a moment. Do you have a good reason to be thankful? Did God save your life? Has God done a miracle in your life? Think back. You've been on the earth for a while. Has God saved your life? Has He saved the life of somebody that you know? Has He healed you of disease? Has He blessed your children? Has He answered your prayers? Thank Him right now. You can do it right now. Thank Him for what He has done. Have you been sick, but now you are healthy? Have you been lost in sin and darkness? Now you can see. Give God all the glory that belongs to Him. So the ten lepers had a good reason to be thankful. Jonah and Daniel had some reason to be thankful. In Babylon, Daniel so distinguished himself in service to the king that the king wanted to make him ruler over the whole country. But his counterparts, his buddies, they became very jealous. And so they convinced the king to set up an edict where nobody is allowed to pray to any other god except the king Darius for 30 days. You know what Daniel does when he hears this news? Daniel chapter 6. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. And I said, thank you, Lord, that I'm not allowed to pray to you. Thank you, Lord, that my buddies are trying to get me into trouble. What do you pray when it's not perfect? The life that you are experiencing. You see, Daniel had reason to be thankful because he was the best performer in Babylon. And he had the, 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 the blessings of the king. But now he had enemies. He could say that he could see both. The, the glass is half full and half empty. But regardless of what happened to him, he continued to pray with thanksgiving. He thanked God even though he would soon sleep with lions. Because it's this prayer that got him into the dungeon. If you can persistently thank God, even though life gets perpetually harder, you are a supreme Christian. I've got a lot of respect for you. Now, we know the story of Jonah, right? In chapter 2, he's, he's well, end of chapter 1, I think. He's still on the ship, right? And he, and he gets thrown off the ship. You, you know, what do you think he thought when he was thrown off the ship? I'm about to die, man. This is a storm. Gets thrown off the, the ship. But God sent a large fish to swallow him. And living inside, which I think is, it, it sort of made him like realize, this is incredible. Oh my goodness. Here I am lounging out. There's no TV in here, but at least it feels quite comfortable. But living inside the fish in the depths of the sea cannot be a pleasant experience. I don't know what it is with you guys. Love you. Many of you, but watch this clam chowder thing. Is that what you could? Is it clam chowder? Yo, good luck with eating that, but it smells bad, man. We think that smells bad. 
go live in a whale. There's rotten, and, there's rotten uh, plankton in there. And Jonah is parking there. He's, he's relaxed in the fish. What would you pray? Jonah prays at the end. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. He prays from inside that fish. He says, I'm grateful. What I vowed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Yet thankfulness in his prayer inside a fish. Often, thanksgiving precedes God's intervention and blessings. When you go look at Jesus feeding the multitude of people, the text says that he prayed. He took the bread and he prayed. He didn't have thousands of loaves of bread. How many did he have? Five. Right? Two fish and five loaves. He had the five loaves and so he's praying for these five. So he's giving God thanks, the text says. And then he distributes it and suddenly then it multiplies. And if we look at this, Jonah prays, boom, he spat out on land. When we give thanks to God, that might be the moment that God says, all right, I see you. You recognize me. You recognize my blessings. I'll answer your prayer. I will bless. So let's pause a moment. Can you see both blessings and curses in your life? Both challenges and miracles? Do you stand neutral? Well, I will start thanking God when there's more good stuff than bad stuff in my life. Then I'll start thanking God. Or do you stand in praise and thanksgiving? I'm going to focus on what I have and the blessings. And then thirdly, Paul had no reason to be thankful. There's a story in the book of Acts chapter 27. It reads like a modern day action adventure. Paul had been imprisoned and put on a ship uh, for Rome under Roman God. And the ship was soon caught in a violent hurricane. The crew first tried to hold the ship together by passing ropes underneath the ship to keep it um, strong. And they threw some cargo overboard. And by the 14th day, when they'd seen the text says, neither sun nor star, they gave up all hope of being saved. There was no hope left. None. There were 276 people on that ship. But that night, an angel appeared to Paul in a dream, assuring him that no one would die. The storm raged on and the ship looked like it would be dashed against the rocks. They dropped four anchors and prayed for daylight. No one had eaten for 14 days. You haven't seen the sun for 14 days. You haven't eaten for 14 days. And at that moment, Paul got the people together on the ship. The prisoner gets the people together and he urged everybody to eat and regain strength. And in the middle of that storm, Paul took bread and he gave thanks to God. And he broke the bread and distributed it. After he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and began to eat. Acts 17.35 The next day, all 276 on, those, on that ship made it safely to shore. There was no hope. But Paul believed. And Paul thanked God in the middle of a storm. And the next day, they landed on shore. Maybe right now, there are some things. This morning, 
myself and Alfreda had a, a counseling session with a, a couple in, that live in Norway. And this girl had undergone two miscarriages in the last year. And this came up. What a difficult place it is that you don't have control over the womb. You cannot create the baby in your womb. God has to do that. And you have to rely on Him. But the more she worries and she's anxious and she stresses out and she thinks there's something wrong with her and she's scared her husband's going to leave her if she doesn't bear him a child, the more stressed out you become. And our challenge to her this morning was exactly the same thing. Is to find a way to thank God for what you do have. That you do have a husband. That you do have a life. That you are healthy. That you are an incredible person. That He's given you a, an IQ. That He's given you a personality. You don't have a baby now. But you have so much else. And if you continually focus on the fact that you don't have a baby. You will not get out of your depressed state. Now you are sitting here this morning. And there might really be something in your life that you feel you can't attain. You can't get it. It's making you feel down. It's making you feel depleted. I want to challenge you to go home and to stop complaining about what you don't have. And focus every day on praying to God and telling Him how thankful you are for what He has given you. Just the exercise of focusing on what you don't have is going to make you depressed. And the exercise of focusing on what you do have is going to set you up for good thoughts. Stop complaining about the raging storm. And thank God for the piece of bread in your hand. So, gratitude and attitude are not challenges. They are choices. We can choose that right now. Don't wait until you have everything before you're thankful. You have so much. It's not joy that makes us grateful. It's gratitude that makes us joyful. If we can learn to make the choice to be thankful, we'll be happy. That's how it works. You can't wait for your circumstances to change before you're going to be happy. What if they never change? What if this lady can never bear a baby? Is she going to be depressed for the rest of her life? It's not going to work. Enough is a feast. That's, a, that's a, a, a proverb. Enough is a feast. And maybe at the heart of our discontent and why we're struggling to give thanks is because we are so greedy. We haven't learned to accept enough. That's why Paul says, godliness with contentment is great gain. I leave with you Proverbs 15 verse 15. The cheerful heart has a continual feast. The cheerful heart has a continual feast. 